0: Hey guys, and welcome to the newest episode of Top of the Hill. A pretty packed episode, a lot of NFL action. We're going to talk about the NFL playoff wildcard matchups, and then we're going to talk about our Terps in the NFL and how they rounded out the year. There were some standouts, of course, Stephon Diggs most notably. We'll talk about him. We have our segments that we're talk- going to talk about today. We've got a couple of good segments today, in my opinion, and then we're going to finish up the show. We're going to talk about some Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees for the NFL, and then of course, we're going to finish with our Top of the Hill take, so... Hope you enjoy it. it 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 Welcome. Episode three of Top of the Hill. And like I said in the intro, we're going to talk about the NFL playoff wildcard matchups. Just announced wildcard weekend, of course, coming up. So getting right into it, the first game of the weekend, Colts versus Bills. It's going to be a good game. The Bills ended the year on a hot streak, to say the least. I mean, Josh Allen, a little bit of a dark horse MVP run. And I'll introduce you for the first time today, Tyler. What do you, what do you expect from this game? Um, <clears throat> We were
1: talking about it before the podcast, and you said it's really going to come down to the Colts defense versus that. Explosive Buffalo Bills offense, which I completely agree with. Savon Diggs and Josh Allen have been on a tear. <clears throat> and even with – I think their starters only played half the game in the first half against the Dolphins Week 17, but they still put up 56 points.
0: Yeah, f- so, 56 points is nothing to scoff at. Like, that's yeah. just crazy. And kept the Dolphins out of the playoffs too.
1: Which the Dolphins were a very good team, especially that defense. They won 10-6 and six and missed
0: the playoffs. So
1: that's saying a lot, and then the Colts offense is sneaky good. I still don't trust Philip Rivers, even though he hasn't thrown as many interceptions the second half of the season, but that that defense is definitely top five, so that defense against that offense is going to be a great matchup to watch.
0: yeah, absolutely and and you said we were talking about it we were I think if the Colts defense is able to hold that dynamic Bills offense somewhere around the like 20-point range, that's when the Colts would have a chance to win that game. I think if the Bills come out and put up like, 30, 35, somewhere in that range, they'll win the game pretty easily. I just don't think that the Colts will be able to keep up, if that makes sense. They have their running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Hines. So they have like they have a lot of good stuff they do in the run game. But if you're trailing, you can't lean on the run game like exactly. the way that they were able to in their win over the Jaguars in Week 17. So... Josh Allen, of course, has been – he was in the MVP race at the very beginning, kind of fell off a little bit and jumped back into that MVP caliber caliber level of play there. So it's going to be exciting. It's the Bills' first home playoff game since 1996. That's crazy. I don't know if there's going to be fans there or not. There's been talks of trying to get some fans there. I don't know with the state of COVID and all. What a time to be Bills' mafia. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's, that's the um, Colts-Bills game. That's, again, on Saturday. That's the first matchup of wild-card weekend. And Josh Allen played in wild-card weekend last year against the Texans and had a he- heck of a game. I think they ended up losing that game to the Texans, however they did. And then the Texans went into Kansas City and had a lead, and then they lost it. But it, I think that this is the year where Josh Allen, he looks more comfortable than he did last year. He was a good player last year. He's ascended. To being a great player this year, and Stephon Diggs, of course, has been a big part of that, been a true number one go-to guy for him. I'm really excited for Buffalo. I'm really excited to see what they can do. People are talking about them being the team that could compete with the Chiefs in the AFC, and there's been nobody all season that they've said could compete with the Chiefs. The Steelers, when they were 11 and 0, but oh well, yeah, and then the Steelers like turned out like they weren't as good as their record, and I think most people would agree with that to be the case at this point, but. It'll, I'm just interested a lot to see what the Bills do in this postseason. I think they're going to be a, a good team. I think they're going to have a shot. And playing in Buffalo at this time of year in December and January, that is almost just like one of the best home field advantages up there with like what Lambeau Field can be in. Especially in the with time. a team against the Colts who are used to
1: that dome stadium. Well, not the dome. Well, yeah, they have yeah, a dome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Lucas so, Oil. I mean, they're used to having to deal with no weather at all for eight games every season, so.
0: So it it'll be an interesting game. That's the the 2 and the 7 matchup the first time ever there's a 7th seed in the NFL playoffs. Really good AFC. I mean, we talked about the Dolphins being 10 and 6 and not making the playoffs. Most years that gets you a wild card spot. At the at the very least that gets you a wild card spot. The AFC has a bunch of good teams from 1 through 7, but even still like the Chiefs are, have still been considered like that upper echelon top of the top of the conference, but they of course won't play this week the only team in the AFC to get a bye with this year's current playoff format. But moving right along like to later in the day on Saturday, second matchup is going to be Rams versus Seahawks. And so it's a divisional matchup. It's going to be round three for them. They split the season matchups this year. And for most of the season until the Rams kind of tailed off there at the end, they were talking about the Rams and the Seahawks being the two contenders in that division and arguably being as good as each other. Jerry Goff's injury status, I mean, he hurt his thumb. He missed the Week 17 game, but they still made the playoffs. If he plays, I can see the Rams winning that game. If they have to run out, I think his name's John like Wolford or something like yeah. that is their backup. If he has to play against the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks can win that game comfortably. Obviously, like the Seahawks defense has had its question marks all season, but Jamal Adams has been playing better. They traded for Carlos Dunlap, who's been a consistent defensive lineman piece for them. Yeah. They don't need to play great. They just need to play complementary football to what Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, like guys like that, what they can do. But if the Rams come out and Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey and stuff, if they shut down the Seattle offense, that's going to be the path to the Rams winning that game. It's going to be like the Rams. You've seen it. They have a bunch of different running backs. They don't have a true standout. They don't have a Todd Gurley like they used to have, but they have Cam Akers. They have – What's the Daryl um, Henderson? Daryl
1: Henderson and Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. So I they, think Henderson's on IR right now, so it's really just down to Cam
0: Akers who starts and then uh, Malcolm Brown. So, yeah, I mean, a committee <clears throat> approach, but Cam Akers came on late at the end of the season, had a yeah. couple good games. So if they, can, if they can get their running game going against the Seahawks defense and the Rams defense can keep the Seahawks high-powered, high-octane offense at bay, that's the path to winning the games if, if you're the Rams. I think this has got to be who you want to play here, the Rams. Like, this is probably one of the teams you know the best.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, they played them twice in the regular season. Both games were super close. Um, The first game, I believe Jalen Ramsey was shadowing DK Metcalf all game, which Metcalf only finished with two catches for 28 yards. And then the second game, he shadowed Tyler Lockett, finished with three receptions for 54 yards, I believe. So – I'm interested to see in how Jalen Ramsey plays, if he's going to shadow DK Metcalf again or Tyler Lockett. Like you said, the key for the Rams is to keep that high-scoring offense limited as possible, which they did in both games. Um, and then, like you said, if Jared Goff plays, I think they definitely have a shot. Even with Walford, I think that they do have a shot because he's going to get most of the first-team reps this week. Because yeah. – You know, if golf golf does play, he probably won't start practicing until Thursday or
0: Friday. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense. I think this game for the Seahawks is, for the storylines at least, I want to see the Seahawks win this game because I want to see Russell Wilson go up against Drew Brees and the Saints or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because – since like the beginning of his career when they went to the super bowl like when he was was he a rookie or a second year player it was
1: the second year they won the super bowl and third they when went they back. went back and yep. lost to
0: the patriots so he hasn't really been back to the promised land yeah. since then and i mean he's had his good years he's one of the top quarterbacks in the nfl year in and year out at this point he started off the year so hot they started off six and zero or something like that so i just want to see him get the chance to go back and compete yep i agree amongst the best but I mean that's really all all there is to that matchup. Looking at maybe the most interesting matchup on Saturday, the eight fifteen game, it's gonna be Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady taking on the seven and nine NFC East Champions Washington football team. Washington's first home playoff game since 2015 and only their second since 2012 when Robert Griffin the third was the rookie phenom starting that game. So I don't know. You you've been watching Washington football team most of your life. You've been a fan, and now you just kind of follow like amongst sports. What do you what do you expect to see from this game? So I told you earlier that I think the way Washington
1: wins this football game is if their defense scores at least one touchdown and they have no offensive turnovers. With that defensive line who has been hot all season, uh, Chase Young needs to sack Brady a couple times. That whole defensive line just needs to get pressure on Brady. That's how you knock him off his rhythm. I know it's easier said than done, but you always need to knock Brady off his rhythm because all of of his throws are on timing. He's obviously not the most mobile quarterback, so it's not like you see him scrambling out of the pocket and throwing a deep ball like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. But if they get pressure on Brady, they can definitely disrupt their offense, and that's how they win the game because – you're not the Washington football team is not gonna be a high scoring offense. They're, they haven't been a high scoring offense all year. So if the Buccaneers score more than
0: twenty four points, the Washington football team is not gonna win this game at all. Absolutely, like they're definitely like a defensive minded football team. They play complementary through their defense. When their defense is playing well, their offense has a path to scoring points and winning games. Stat worth noting, Tom Brady is 1-3 in three all time against the NFC East in the playoffs, and 0-3 oh, and in his last three. Of course, that stat's a little bit weird because this is his first time ever coming into the playoffs through the NFC path. He's faced off against the Eagles twice in the Super Bowl, won the first one, lost back in 2017, and of course his two losses to the Giants in the Super Bowl. So. If anybody can get the best of Brady, you would hope it would be the NFC East. I think it's probably the most intriguing matchup on Saturday, just maybe for that fact alone. But you said it: if Tom Brady comes out and he has he lights it up in the first quarter, second quarter, the game's that, over. That will decide how this game yeah. goes. If he struggles to get the ball to his playmakers, if he struggles to get the ball to Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Goblin, if is Ronald Jones back, he might be back. If not, he is, I believe. If he's not back, Leonard yet, whoever Mike Evans back is
1: questionable though. I did see. Yeah, that.
0: Mike Evans. Um, First receiver ever with seven straight 1,000-yard seasons to begin a career. So that's pretty interesting. A a lot of storylines going into this one. Tom Brady, man, back in the playoffs yet again. Interesting to say he made the playoffs and the Patriots didn't make the playoffs. I mean, the Patriots had their question marks all over the board this season, obviously. But they broke up the marriage. They broke up Brady and Belichick, and one's going to the
1: postseason and one's not. This is also one of the first times that I can remember that the Patriots are a wild card team as well. You mean the the box? Tom, yeah, Tom yeah, Tom Brady in Brady the Bucks. Because every season he was on the the Patriots, they were just winning the division most of the time. They had a uh, a first round bye. So yeah,
0: so like he's used to having the playoffs run through exactly. New England, run through Foxborough. But he's so having he's to gonna, go to he's gonna have to go on the road this FedEx year. Field. And if if they beat Washington, then it gets a little bit trickier because you might get, play the Saints. You could get a matchup with the Saints, who have made it Swept look them. easy against yep. you this season. Beat them handily both times or somehow could end up playing the Packers I mean I don't obviously you don't know how things are going to fall before the week happens but if they have to go to Lambeau I think that's a different game than when the Packers had to come down to Tampa Bay where Tampa Bay made easy quick work of the Packers in that one probably their worst loss on the season for sure there's nothing like playoff football at Lambeau Field and I just think Aaron Rodgers especially Devontae Adams is in a different groove when they're at home than when they have to go on the road yep so that's, that's all the Saturday action, moving ahead to Sunday. The most intriguing matchup for me, Baltimore area, Ravens versus Titans on Sunday at 1 o'clock. It's going to be a rematch of the 2019 playoffs in a little bit of a different format. This time it's the Titans being the division winners in the home game and the Ravens coming in as the wild card team. The Titans embarrassed the Ravens last year, the first seeded Ravens, 14-2. They had all the records. They were the best team, the most fun team to watch play. I think the Ravens have a path to winning this game because they lost in the playoffs to them and because they lost that heartbreaker this season in overtime to Derrick Henry. I think their rushing attack is back to what it was in 2019, maybe even better this year. I mean, they set a franchise record on Sunday against the, the Bengals in rushing. So it's just if they can get into the game and Lamar is able to make the plays he's been making the last month of the season. J.K. Dobbins continues on his hot streak that he's been on. They can get the carries out of Gus Edwards and the skill players in terms of like Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, uh, Mark Andrews, if they can not have any hiccups, I think that's the Ravens offensive path, (coughs) offensive path to winning the game. And then of course, on the defensive side of the ball, it's just trying to contain Derrick (laughs) Henry. You're not going to stop Derrick Henry. I think he's made that proven 2000 yards this season. Not many running backs have done that in the history of the NFL you're not going to be able to neutralize him or stop him. You're going to have to try to hold him at bay and not let him be the one to beat you. And I think that's what ended up happening in their matchup from this season when the Titans came back and won in an OT because the Ravens had a 21-10 to lead in the third quarter, but they didn't put the game out of reach to the point where Derrick Henry was rendered useless. Because if you're up two scores going into the fourth quarter, how often can the Titans as a team commit to running the ball just because of the, the time on the clock that it uses? So that's, that's the clearest path for a Ravens victory contain Derrick Henry, put the game out of reach early, do what you do best, and just play keep away football. So, I mean, you, of course, like Baltimore area, follow the Ravens a little bit, follow the Titans a little bit with Derrick Henry and everything. What are, what are your thoughts about that one?
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. The Ravens this year are – they're the same team right now. Well, they're I, I think they're way better than they were at this point last year. But the thing is, last year they started out so hot, and then obviously the Titans game, they just, you know, crapped the bed. But this season, it's like they started out bad, and then they're finishing really strong, which is what you need come playoff time. And like you said, the Titans have beat them the last two times they've played the Ravens. So I think the Ravens players are going to be pissed off. They're really going to want to beat this team. And like you said, you have to make it to where you can't commit to running the ball there Derrick Henry. If you watch that Titans-Packers game, that game was starting to slip in the early third quarter, I believe. So that's when the Titans started throwing the ball more. And Ryan Tannehill, who's had an amazing season, he had the third least amount of interceptions, I believe, next to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. He just looked terrible because they just had to pass the ball, which you're not used to passing every single down, which he was doing, and I believe he threw two interceptions on two straight drives
0: yeah i don't, I don't so, know i don't know his official stats in that one he did have that long touchdown run which is like if, he did, if you could yeah. pick any of the titans to have a long touchdown run you probably wouldn't pick him yeah but you're right the packers just kept a sizable distance from exactly. the titans because they built that early lead and just never faltered to the point that the titans were back in it and derrick henry had one of his worst games of the season i, I yeah. think he still had close to 100 yards rushing yeah i think he, had he didn't, he, he didn't reach the end zone stuff like that
1: but I also think it's a good thing that the Ravens are I think the Ravens are actually still favored in this game, surprisingly. Yeah, I
0: think I think they're being given like three points or something right yeah, now. So. But
1: they don't view it that way. And I think they play better when they're they don't view it that way yeah, because they, everyone and their mom thought that the Ravens were gonna blow the Titans out of the out of out the, the water last yeah, year and it so,
0: just it didn't come to fruition. No. Gotta make a point to say like the Ravens, you said they're they're mad, they're probably really yeah. mad the Titans like danced on their logo and like, like rioted on their logo in their matchup before this season. So that's just another thing probably in the back of their minds. Mm -hmm. Like we're getting a chance to go to them now. Let's go take it to them. Let's hopefully get Lamar Jackson, his first win in the playoffs in his career. That's really all there is to that game. One of the more interesting ones in terms of storylines, just with the recent history between the Titans and the Ravens, whether the Titans are truly the Ravens kryptonite, I guess we'll find out on Sunday. And then moving forward to the next game on Sunday, the game that we've had the most debate about here today so far, the Bears and the Saints. That one's at 440. It's going to be on the the normal networks, but it's also going to be on Nickelodeon. First really? ever playoff game on Nickelodeon. That's so, weird. so that's pretty awesome, I guess. There'll probably be like a bunch of slime and stuff if you're watching it on, on Nick. and <laughs> For the kids, I guess. But you think the Bears can
1: win that game. I do. So I knew that they played in the regular season head-to-head but I didn't realize how close of a game it was. The Saints actually beat the Bears by three points in the overtime game. So, and that was before, that was before their running back.
0: David Montgomery? Yes. Yeah, he's Uh, been on a a late season tear.
1: The last five, six games, he's been on a tear. And that was before he started to heat up. And then, of course, Mitchell Trubisky, he's been playing out of his mind the last couple games for God knows what reason. But, He's actually been playing really good after his terrible start to the season. So I think the Bears have a really good chance of winning. And I don't know. I know that Michael Thomas is available to come back from IR this week, but I don't know if he will. So that's another key point. If Michael Thomas can't play, that really hurts the Saints because then all you really have to lock on is Kamara because it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders and Kamara – as Drew Brees' top options, and Sanders is going to be a lot easier to control than Camaro. So, and and
0: that's a that's a good point. I mean, that's one thing that we highlighted is this year when Brees has played and been in the games, the Saints seem to kind of go as he goes mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah, I mean, you saw Camaro on their Christmas game when they played the Vikings six touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy six touchdowns, tied an NFL record from like nineteen twenty nine or something like that. He's going to be going up against a pretty Decent Bears front seven. I mean, they have yep. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks up front, and then they have Rokon Smith out of Georgia. Good linebacker. In the- fast linebacker. I think he's in his second year, second or third year. Second year, he's super he's, fast. He's been playing, like, really well. So I think the story of that game will be if Kamara can get off to a hot start early, maybe get some catches, find the end zone in the first quarter or second quarter. That could be your script if you're the Saints. Of course, they're going to use their secret weapon, Taysom Hill, where they see fit, too. The Bears backed into the playoffs. I don't think anyone will disagree. They had a hot start, and then they kind of just tailed off at the end. But all you need is a chance to make it to the big dance. They have this. They got to go to New Orleans, got to go to the Superdome or Mercedes-Benz, whichever it is now. I'm always going to call it the Superdome probably. If the Bears lose this game, if they win this game, obviously it's not Mitch's last game. But if they lose this game, is Mitchell Trubisky done as a Chicago Bear?
1: That's a good question. I think it really depends on how he plays, especially because that Saints defense is very good. Um, But I don't know. He's played really good the last couple games. So I'd say if he plays decent in this game on Sunday, I think you give him one more chance. Obviously, next season, if he doesn't do good, it's just time to part ways. But like I said, the Saints have a very good defense. So if he plays well, or at least in, he puts, if he puts them in the position to win the game, whether they win it or not, if he puts them in the position to win the game, I think they should definitely give him another shot next year.
0: Yeah, um, so I think the Bears declined his fifth-year option, so they would have to give him a new deal, yeah. I'm pretty sure.
1: But the thing is, he'll be
0: cheap. Yeah, so I mean, they could probably get him at a bargain price. And if, they can build if, more If players. you decide that like he can help our football team win. If not, then you gotta just Almost blow it all up and start from scratch at that point. Yep. I mean second overall because they are still the paying draft.
1: Nick Foles contract, which was four years and a lot of money. Yeah. And
0: Nick Foles, I mean, he's a bad getter. He has a Super Bowl ring. Can't can't go wrong with that. Moving along to the last playoff matchup of wildcard weekend, Browns versus Steelers. And hearing that, you're like, well, the Browns and Steelers played each other last week. Well, I guess that's how the playoffs work. The Browns clinching their first playoff berth in eighteen years. I was two years old the last time the Browns were in the playoffs. Two years old. So, I mean, changing the guard in Cleveland a little bit. I just – the Steelers sat some guys in Week 17 because they didn't really have a lot to play for. I don't think that the Browns are going to be able to win this game. Just not even the fact that the Steelers are going to come now in full force, especially after getting a look at the Browns last week. The Browns have also been decimated by COVID. And, I mean, you were talking a little bit about that earlier.
1: Yeah, they – their head coach Kevin Stefanski will not be at the game. Their bowl guard Joel
0: I don't know, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know like how to pronounce
1: his last name. And then also Kevin Hodge, who is their third string receiver. So all three of those people were going to miss the game on Sunday. So that's a big blow where they were all already not favored. Even though the Steelers haven't been playing good, obviously they're like you said they were. They're one and four in the last five games when they started out eleven and zero. But the Steelers have had the Browns' number this year. They destroyed them in the first game of the in their first matchup this season. I believe the final score was like thirty-eight to 7, 35 to
0: seven. Yeah, it was something something along the lines of that. It was not a close game at yeah. all. And then the Browns squeaked out the two-point win exactly. against the Steelers backups last week. But yeah, I mean, you take so, it. You get into the playoffs
1: with that. Yeah, I mean, take that how you want it. But the Browns aren't looking good as of right now. And if they if they can somehow make it past the Steelers, then I'd definitely say it's looking good for Baker and that Browns team. But what do you think about Baker? Because I know you were asking me about how he's had he has had a really good season this year. I just the
0: thing the biggest thing for me about Baker Mayfield is that after all the like talk he's been doing, he came in almost with like an ego, and that mm-hmm. was just like what he did. Like he was like yeah, the was guy with thing. an ego. Yeah. I think last year was a little bit of maybe a reality check, if you could call it mm-hmm. that, because, I mean, sure. he finally has some continuity in terms of, like, the coaching staff this year. I think he likes Stefanski a lot. I don't, don't, know. I don't know him personally. Good, so. I think that this is – he's the quarterback that finally got the Browns back to the playoffs. I yeah. think that you can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. And I think he focused a little bit less on making – was it progressive? or Yeah, I think <laughs> it progressive commercials yeah. this year in playing football. He's looked like a gunslinger at times. Has he had his mistakes? Yeah, he had his mistakes. But, I mean, some of their, like, recent losses, they lost that thriller to the Ravens. He didn't play bad in that game. The Ravens just played better to win that game. I mean, one of the best games of the year. We talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot to like if you're a Cleveland Browns fan because hopefully... Things are looking up. This is the start of a new era in Cleveland, and it's not just a one-year fluke. Because just imagine how beat down cleveland fans will feel next year if they have like a 3 and 13 season i mean that'll just be terrible and i mean being in the afc north like supporting the ravens all my life like you don't want to see the browns Mm -hmm. be good because you've seen them be bad for so long you want to see change though but it's nice to see different teams come up and be on the rise and be in the playoff the playoff picture and i mean that even plays into the fact like that maybe the patriots are on the downturn for a little while Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can't expect them to be what they were at the peak of their dynasty, but yeah. maybe they spend a couple years as a, as Redouted. that team fighting to make it to the wild card instead of having the division on lock-in. That opens it up for the Bills like you did this year and maybe the Dolphins going forward. Who knows? Maybe the Jets 10 years <laughs> from now? I mean, uh, there's a lot to lot to be concerned with if you're a supporter of the New York Jets. But that's the NFL wild card matchups i mean a lot of good games this weekend six games in the wild card matchup which is more than the usual four because of the change playoff format a lot of good teams in the dance and i think it's a good precursor to the divisional round where of course you're going to get to see the chiefs you're going to get to see the packers facing off against whoever can make it out of the wild card round so moving along we're gonna we're gonna talk about some terps in the nfl and some of their phenomenal standout seasons because I mean, I don't think people typically think of Maryland as like
1: an Powerhouse NFL producing program, yeah. program,
0: but they have some guys this year, some guys that were top of the league, like from Stephon Diggs to JC Jackson up in New England. And then like guys like Darnell Savage, who's in his second year, and then DJ Moore in his third or fourth year now, I don't third. know exactly in his third year, had a, had another a good career year. Getting right into the Terps in the NFL segment, got to start with Stephon Diggs. The trade, of course, he he left Minnesota after all his years there, after the catch in the playoffs with the Saints. Oh, my goodness, an email notification. That's the worst. But he um, had a great year. He was first in the NFL in catches and yards. He had 127 catches to go along with 1,535 yards. Like I said, both good for first in the league. I don't think at the beginning of this year anyone thought that that's what his ceiling was, going to that Bills offense.
1: No, I completely agree with you. I I thought he would definitely have a better season this year in the Bills because he would be the number one compared to that, like, 1A, 1B thing that they had going on with him and Adam Thielen in Minnesota. But, yeah, he and I feel like every single week we were just talking about Stephon Diggs and that Bills offense. He just put them to new heights this year. And reading off his stats, as you just were, he only had eight touchdowns, which was, like, super surprising to me because I knew that three of them came in week 16 of the season. So that's just crazy that he only had eight touchdowns all year. But his catches and yards were just – to lead the NFL is amazing.
0: It's weird to say that the guy that led the league in receiving and catches was a security blanket, but that's exactly what he became for Josh Allen. He became that go-to guy. And I think you see the better teams in the NFL year in and year out. They have a clear cut number one. They have a, almost one of those trios where it's a good quarterback, a good receiver, a good running back. I mean, the Bills didn't have a star running back, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss getting a lot of time this year. But for Diggs to come in, especially with the gunslinger that Josh Allen is, like I mean, Diggs isn't always going to take the top off your defense. He likes to work in those intermediate routes and stuff like that. career year for the guy the fifth round pick of the minnesota vikings and when it looked like he was the problem in minnesota because he wanted out and then he just came and proved everyone wrong exactly proved everyone everyone wrong and was just i'm that good i'm that guy i can be a number one in the nfl but
1: everything i've heard about him too off the field has just been amazing all the guys said that they love him and all he does is try to make sure that everyone else is playing better with him.
0: Yeah. And I, so, it's funny you say that because I saw a story, it was a couple weeks ago on ESPN about how, when he got to Buffalo, it was like all the COVID stuff going on. He couldn't really connect with the guys yeah. right away. He met Josh Allen, like playing Call of Duty. Yeah. I something. did hear that. Yep. So that's just, it's interesting. That's like a 2020 version of meeting your quarterback <laughs> for the first time. I think they're, relationship off the field has only benefited them together on the field. And I think that's I what do. I think the move to get digs for Josh Allen is what elevated the bills from a fringe playoff team to being able to go win that division this year. Cause it's not like they just won the division because the Patriots didn't, they were the team, the good enough team to win the division on their own this year. So he, of course, the the best Terp in the NFL this year, but he wasn't the only one that had a good season. Another guy that hasn't gotten a lot of coverage because he's been so good in coverage, J.C. Jackson, um, out of Maryland. He he transferred to Maryland at the end of his career before going undrafted into the NFL. He had nine interceptions this season, good enough for second in the NFL behind uh, Xavier Howard of the Dolphins. But for, like, the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season, he was leading the league in interceptions. And we, we talked about it before we started recording today. Stephon Gilmore was the defensive player of the year last year. He didn't even really play this year. Yep. Whether I can't remember if he was hurt or he just opted out. He um, was hurt. For a lot of, of a season. lot of players opted out for the Patriots for the Patriots, and that kind of curtailed their season a little bit. But nonetheless, J.C. Jackson, dominant corner in the NFL, even if he's even if he's not talking and being talked about in most circles.
1: Yeah, I agree. I didn't watch very many Patriots game games, but every single game I watched, he was just making plays, and I think him. Him and James Bradbury of the New York Giants, they had two of the most underrated seasons this year. They were just outstanding corners. J.C. Jackson, though, to step up in the defensive reigning defensive player of the year, uh, his shoes, that he just played out of his mind this year. And like you said, former Terp.
0: This just amazing. I also think it's worth noting that cornerback is probably one of the three positions in the NFL that is the hardest to play. Yeah. Only, only in terms of if you have this year, you could turn around next year and somehow find yourself getting exposed all the time. He had a decent year last year, and so to build on last year and have an even better season this year, I think it bodes well for not only him but for um, – New England going forward, I mean, hopefully Gilmore comes back and has a little bit more in the tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's getting up there in age. I mean, he spent most yeah, of his career with Buffalo before yeah, he, he went to New England. But J.C. Jackson, very good player, outstanding season, despite the Patriots not getting to where they wanted to go in the first year post-Tom Brady. Definitely a highlight standout for, for them. Looking at another former Terp that's a DB, looking at Darnell Savage Jr., on the Packers, in that Packers secondary with Jair Alexander and King and other guys like that. Packers are the number one seed in the NFC. He kinda came into his own a little bit this year. Had a had a good rookie year. Nothing nothing to scoff at, but nothing to like write home about necessarily. Finished the the regular season with fifty six tackles to go along with four interceptions. And I don't know, I think you're happy with that first round pick if you're the Packers now, because it looks like you have a guy that can be a piece of your secondary for the next five to 10 years maybe if he keeps playing well and he keeps doing his thing.
1: Yeah. Like you said, he's a great addition to their secondary who, and that secondary has been thin for years. They had haha Clinton Dix who Savage basically took over from when he signed a new deal with the bears, I believe last year. But Savage really is a very good pickup for, like you said, Alexander and King who they also both drafted. So Savage was just, he, you know, he didn't break any records, or he didn't have, he didn't lead the league in interceptions or tackles for safety. But he just had a very good, consistent year, and that's what the Packers needed at that safety position.
0: Yeah, and I mean that was another DB that we shouted out. We're gonna finish up this this part of the show talking about DJ Moore, another receiver, great years for the Terps before he went to the league, and went to the Panthers, and he had a career high in receiving this year. He had eleven hundred ninety three yards. Go along with 66 catches and four touchdowns. So, I mean, had his quarterback this year, Teddy Bridgewater, first year in the the regime with Carolina, Matt Rule, new coach. McCaffrey spent a lot of the year out of the lineup, so that, of course, bodes better for the other skill players, such as Moore, such as Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis, of course, having a pretty decent season as the backup running back. I think that DJ Moore took a little bit of a backseat to Robbie Anderson in terms of being, like, the number one guy in that receiving offense, but to have a career year, I don't think you can be upset with that. If one, if you're DJ Moore, or if you're the Panthers organization, he still got a long way to go in his career, still very young. And just finding the end zone is always a good sign. I mean, only four times, but that's four more times than a lot of guys find the end zone in the NFL season. So to go over a thousand yards again, this year, very dynamic set of receivers to come from Maryland and go into the NFL in the last five, 10 years.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like you said about Robbie Anderson, that that free agency pickup was, turned out to be a really good pickup for the Panthers. And Teddy Bridgewater, <clears throat> he was not just a game manager this year, and I forget how many yards Robbie Anderson had, but he had over 1,000 as well. But DJ Moore having a career high in yards, but he had 21 less catches this year compared to last year, which means that he was just making big catch after big catch. I think he averaged 18 yards to catch and four touchdowns. He had four touchdowns as well last year. So like you said, he had a career year. It's not like he was doing anything that just popped out at you, but he had a really good consistent year as well.
0: Yeah. So back-to-back seasons for him now, over 1,100 yards, 1,175 in 2019, and then 1,193 this year, four touchdowns in back-to-back years. So I think that's the that's like will be the true factor of when you'll be able to see just how high he can go is if he has one of those seasons where he has like double digit touchdown catches because the yards are there the catches are there it's getting into the end zone finding the end zone for him now at this point in terms of continuing to build upon his NFL career
1: yeah I agree he has the speed for it and he he's improving his route running so I think he can be a number one receiver
0: yeah absolutely and I think. Um, like we said, he's, he's very young. Robbie mm-hmm. Anderson's there now, but Robbie Anderson's a little bit a uh, little bit older than DJ Moore. I think that the Panthers kind of had a lot to adjust to in year one, especially with McCaffrey being out of the lineup for so much because that's supposed to be your focal point. I don't know what DJ Moore's ceiling is, but I feel like he's still got more to go. And he more does, to yeah. go after back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, that's something to be excited about if you're a Panthers fan, if you support Turps in the NFL, like if you follow DJ Moore's career. I think he's going to be very, very good for a number of years for the Panthers. But, I mean, those those were the top guys in the NFL that we wanted to highlight that, that played at Maryland, Terps in the NFL. Um, two receivers, two DBs. So, like we said at the top of the segment, Maryland not necessarily known over time for being the NFL producers, like in Ohio State or like in Alabama. In LSU has been. Clemson, like teams like that the guys that have made it from Maryland and go into the league stars have been pretty good players for the most part. Of course you have your role players, but every college team will have guys that just go and become role players. But I just think you have arguably the number one receiver in the NFL this year, one of the top two or three cornerbacks looking at the numbers this year in JC Jackson, one of the solid safeties in Darnell Savage, and then another good young receiver in DJ Moore. So a lot to be excited about. And with the way that, um, Mike Loxley has been recruiting the last couple years at Maryland. If they can put something together and have a good season, a good consistent season, I feel like you'll only see more guys from Maryland going to the league and become impactful contributors for their respective teams. So that was our Terps in the NFL. We're going to move along to some segments now. Getting into the first segment that we have today, this one Tyler actually came up with, it's called bust of the year slash standouts of the year similar to like our high floor low ceiling from a couple episodes ago this one's a little bit different and probably a little bit better because the the first segment was a little bit confusing so getting right into my bust of the year first we we did a player and a team so my bust of the year is a player Cam Newton New England Patriots and I mean there's a couple of arguments to this just because Cam Newton like nobody knew what the expectations were for him as a quarterback as a passer abysmal he was abysmal this year. I mean, he had eight eight passing touchdowns to 10 interceptions. He did have 12 rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. His 12 rushing touchdowns were the second most in his career since his rookie year when he had, I think it was 14. So, I mean, he got the job done on the ground, but he just wasn't a competent quarterback. A competent runner, of course. As a quarterback, he was very disappointing. And, I mean, you saw it this year just, just watching what you saw of New England. I don't think he met the the lowish expectations that he had.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. He just played. Ter- and you also have to understand that they had the most players in the NFL opt out the season before, which I think they had eight. And then also Julian Edelman got hurt in like week five
0: or whatever that was, week four. Yeah, he didn't end up – he went on IR pretty much. Yeah, so he didn't didn't
1: play the whole year, which that was his number one receiver. So he was left with a bunch of, you know, first year – Yeah, absolutely. The supporting cast
0: wasn't a phenomenal supporting cast, but it's almost just – But yeah, he 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 just didn't look – if he could even have captured a form of what he had in 2015 when he won the MVP – He could have had an all right season. He was supposed to be back and be healthy finally after he dealt with the injuries at the end of his time in Carolina. I don't think that they thought that the Patriots were going to come in and win another AFC East division title, but no. I just think it was overall disappointing on the year for him. And then my team, that was a bust. I actually picked the whole division. The NFC East (laughs) was so disappointing to me this year. Washington football team made the playoffs. They won seven games I I think I predicted like in the first couple weeks of the season that six and ten could make the playoffs in the NFC's I ended up being one game off but if the chips fall different six and ten might have won the division with the Giants or so I mean but it's just like that's one of the flawed things about how a division winner gets a gets a wild not I'm sorry gets a playoff spot and it's just like they're, they're gonna get a home playoff game and that's awesome if you're a fan of one of those teams but it's just Think about it. We talked about how the Dolphins went 10-6 and six and missed the playoffs in the AFC. And you have teams that have been under 500 for most of the season fighting for a spot at the very last week of the season. So they were just very disappointing. I think Washington towards the end got to be a more exciting, more fun team to watch when their defense started really putting it together. And their offense didn't shoot themselves in the foot. So, I mean, that was my, my bust of the year because overall it was a very disappointing division. I feel like the Cowboys before the Dak injury had high expectations, but they started off one and three with Dak before he went down with the injury. And I mean, they still had like good players after Dak went down. You would hope that they could have had a good season. They didn't. The Giants were supposed to, the new head coach were supposed to come in and make a little bit of noise. They looked pretty confident at the beginning of the season, played the Steelers semi-tight, like a close game, had a good game against the Bucks, but they just, they had their little, little run at the back half of the season to get back in the playoff picture but just kind of flustered out with that loss to the Ravens and then I mean they they beat the Cowboys but it's just like upsetting and then we don't even have to get into the Eagles today because (laughs) the Eagles were the division leaders for a while but just they just fell apart the the wheels fell off the bus so quickly there at the end and they were a lot of injuries yeah a lot of injuries but they were the only team in that division not fighting for a chance to go to the postseason in the last week and I don't think anybody saw that in maybe week 10 or 11, that the Eagles would be on the outside looking in amongst all those all those bad teams, I guess you would yeah. call it. So, I mean, those, those were my busts. What were yours?
1: So, staying in the NFC East, my bust of the year for a player was Dwayne Haskins. I always – I thought – I loved him when the Washington football team drafted him. I thought it was a steal because he was supposed to get number four to the Giants. Of course, they picked Daniel Jones. Dwayne Haskins fell all the way down to 15, I believe,
0: to the football team. Yeah, it was either 15, it was, yeah, it was either 15 or 16. It was, yeah, it was middle, like middle of the draft, but I agree. Like, when he got picked, there was high hopes for him. Like, I don't know. They weren't talking. There was his question marks because he really only played, like, the one season. Yeah. At Ohio but he State. threw 50 touchdowns. Yeah, so they, they thought that he was going to be – A guy. Maybe not necessarily the guy. Someone who would develop into the And then he just came into this year. He was the starter to start the year with Washington and just never was able to take the reins and do something that makes you think, like, this is going to be our guy going forward. Got dealt a bad hand with Ron Rivera and the whole new regime coming in. They traded for Kyle Allen to get who was their guy necessarily. I mean, he ended up – I think he ended the year hurt. I think he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. But they had to turn to Alex Smith, who was coming off one of the most gruesome injuries in NFL history. And an older quarterback, a veteran quarterback, but very upsetting if you're Dwayne Haskins or you're the brass that had trust in Dwayne Haskins that he got outplayed by a quarterback coming back from what was considered when it happened maybe to be a career-ending injury. And now, of course, having been released by the team, he'll probably finish the year without a team because I don't see anybody that's going to pick him up for the postseason. Yeah, no, He might get another shot next year somewhere very much of an uphill battle going forward for him yeah i agree i mean he
1: has a lot to work on on the field and off the field he was just very immature off the field and then on the field in the off season i thought he was he was definitely putting the work in i thought he was gonna be good but his lack of preparation for his games just led to terrible play this season so like you said i hope he ends up with a team of course the day after the Washington football team dropped him, he went unclaimed on waivers. Like you said, no one in the playoffs is going to want that type of distraction at this time. So I hope he does turn his life around, but only time can tell and only he, he can change that. But
0: yeah, and I mean, it's it just, it's worth noting that the quarterback where you have to have the most, I'm sorry, did I say quarterback? The position yeah. where you have to have the most maturity in the NFL. Far and away has to be yeah. the quarterback. So to deal with those maturity and like responsibility issues off the field only made it that much harder to keep him around. And I think that's ultimately why Washington ended up cutting ties in year two yep. of a guy they drafted in the first, in the first round. round.
1: Yeah, so that was my busted player of the year, and then my team was actually the Cardinals. I had such high hopes for them them this season, and they started out five and two. They had the game of the year before the Ravens Browns game, of course, when they played the Seahawks in Week Six, I believe. The Seahawks were cu- came into that game five and zero. The Cardinals were five and or four and two, but the and the Cardinals just looked like the team that beat in the NFL next to the Chiefs at the yeah, time. After, yeah. After they, that game, I, I tweeted at the end of that yeah. game
0: like "Game of the Year." Period. Yeah. That's all I said because Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I mean, that Buddha Baker interception, DK yeah, chased him down. But, I mean, it's just like they they could have come into that game and just been almost not scared, but just, like, shied away from the things that were winning them games. Instead, they came in and punched the Seahawks in the mouth yeah. and, and just beat Russell Wilson, who was on his early season MVP. And there. he was red. Yeah, he was red hot. Yeah, so, I mean – and then, of course,
1: they finished the season by losing six of their final games. Of course, Kyler was hurt for the last, like, three or four games. Yeah, I mean, once
0: once he kind of got injured, that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. Because, yeah. I mean, he, he played most of the games. Maybe he missed one game, but I don't even think he missed one game. He just, you could tell that he was playing a little bit hurt, and that yeah. took away his running aspect. Yeah. For at least a couple of weeks, it took away, like, the running aspect of his game, which had been what was making him such a dominant player this year. So all in all, I don't know. I don't know if it's the end. I think, unfortunately, it might be the end for Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he's not getting any younger, 37 years old. So, and I don't know if the podcast can pick that up, but my dogs are going absolutely crazy right now. But yeah, so the Cardinals, I, I like that as a bust of the year because you're right, they did have high expectations.
1: and They yeah, had a lot a lot
0: coming in. And what did they finish? 8-8? Eight and eight? Yeah, 8-8. 7-9, 9-7. It wasn't enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. So, ultimately, it wasn't – I don't think it was playoffs or bust, but you wanted to see that team go to the playoffs this year. So, moving along to the standouts of the year, my standout player was – we talked about a little bit earlier in the show – was Baker Mayfield. He had 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns to eight interceptions this year. And the reason that he was my standout, like, player of the year, breakout player of the year, was because this was a make-or-break year for him, I think you could say. I mean, we talked about, like, the progressive commercials and stuff. But he came into the league – with that guy, like, he's like, I got a chip on my shoulder and kind of gave him an ego. And then you saw last year, like, that didn't work out because the Browns didn't win that many games. It That, look, that like, look is fine if you're one of the top teams in the, in the league, but the Browns weren't that. And so it was kind of like people were starting to question Baker. But he came in with Stefanski this year. They had a good attack, good rushing attack, two of the top running backs in the NFL, arguably. And I think you can make the argument that they're the best running back combo. And then you have Odell before he got hurt. And then, you, I mean, you could also make the argument that the team got better after Odell went down, which is weird to say. But, I mean, the stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie. They, they were winning games and stuff. Still at Jarvis Landry, and I think that that's a key piece, like how we talked about Stephon Diggs being that security blanket for Josh Allen. I think that that's what Jarvis Landry has been in this Browns offense during his time there. So, of course, getting the Browns back to the playoffs, first time, 18 years. First time I'll get to see the Browns playing a playoff game in my lifetime very exciting very fun year and I think for people that are like stands of Baker Mayfield that support Baker Mayfield you have to be happy with what he did on the field this year and he kind of shut his mouth a little bit and just played football and I think that bodes well for not only him but the Browns going forward I think people have a little bit more respect for the Browns this time around than they would have had a year ago and then my team that's my surprise standout is the Saints and like saying that you're like That's crazy. The Saints are a good team year in and year out. The reason that they're my standout is because Tom Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were supposed to be the one and two competing for that division. And the Saints just said, okay, like really? And made quick work of the Bucs in both games. They they beat them up pretty bad in the first game of the season. And then when they got the rematch, they beat them even worse. So it's just like if the Saints can get it right and not have the playoff woes happen that they've had lately, like I don't know how you can't pick them as one of the top teams in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl because – you think that Tom Brady and the Bucs could go up against any team. You can't feel confident confident about them going up against the Saints. So that's why they're, they're my standout team of the year. Obviously, it's a little bit of a weird standout, but just their dominance against the Bucs has been so exciting to watch this season. So that was mine. Like, what are your your standouts?
1: Yeah, so my player standout of the year was James <clears throat> James Robinson, the rookie running back on the Jaguars. And I know that the Jaguars were, like you said earlier when we were talking, they were just a dump, dumpster fire this year. They were terrible. But he was their one bright spot on, on the team as a whole. And he finished tied fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. And he missed two games. And he was also an undrafted rookie. So putting all of that into perspective, I think he had an amazing year. Of course, he's one of the top fantasy running backs. So that was always good. I yeah. know you had him on yeah, the team. I, so.
0: Luckily, I picked him up. It helped me kind of carry, too. Second place, but hey, <laughs> second's not as bad as any of the other places. Still won the first. money. Yeah, so I mean, I, I like that as a standout player of the year because we, we talked about it at the top of the show, or before we even started recording. They could have had a running back by committee down there. There was not yeah. a lot to be excited about at, in terms of the season in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You were always kind of looking ahead towards the draft, towards getting that first pick, towards hopefully getting Trevor Lawrence. He took the reins as a rusher and, like you said, undrafted over a 1,000 yards. I, what was it, fifth, you said? So it's yeah, just, just like the definition of a standout player yep. in James Robinson. So the
1: future is definitely bright for him. And then my standout team was the Buffalo Bills, of course. We were talking about Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen earlier. You know, he just took that team to new heights. And then that defense has been playing really good as well. And I'll be the first to admit, I hated Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, when in his first season. I, I just hated him because I was a Tyrod Taylor fan. I want him to succeed, and, of course, he pulled him out in his first season with the Bills in place for Nathan Nathan Peterman, I believe. Yeah, and that just <laughs> – So we all knew how that went thing. out. But And then I did not think that Josh Allen was going to be a good NFL quarterback either, so I thought that that was a terrible draft pick. But, hey, look at them now. That's why I'm not an NFL head coach. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, the Bills – Doing very good. So those those were our busts and our standouts of the year in the NFL. NFL regular season wrapping up. So we can make those kind of predictions. Moving along to the other segment we have today. It's going to be a quick in case you missed it. And in case you missed it, vintage Steph Curry the other night. 63 points. 50% three-point shooting. 8 of 16 from beyond the arc. And he finally took out those braids he was wearing. <laughs> It was like a weird start to the season. Of course, like, don't get me wrong. The Warriors decimated by injuries. Clay not, not being there. KD moving on. Draymond being old now. Like, I don't know. Draymond's just not what he was at the, no. the start of the Warriors dynasty. And the Warriors lost a couple games early to good teams. And, I mean, that's to be to be noted. But that game was against the tra- the Trailblazers, I'm pretty sure. And they played the Trailblazers on Friday, and the Trailblazers beat them. So it looks like on the, they played again on Sunday. Steph was just like, all right, I'm having none of that. I took the braids out of my hair. I'm going to go score 63 points. I mean, 63 points is a big deal in the NBA. It's not easy to go out there and score that many points. And then he followed it up the next night with like, it was something like 30 points, eight rebounds and nine assists, something along the lines of that. So Steph might be back to being one of the top, Five players in the NBA when healthy, when he's firing on all cylinders. But the question is, is that going to be enough to get them to the playoffs in that tough Western Conference? Yeah, so. and I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the pieces they have around Steph, too, but yeah. obviously the pieces that are around Steph aren't a Clay Thompson, yeah. aren't a KD, aren't a Draymond at his peak. I mean, James Wiseman, there's a lot to like about him. Ubray's been intriguing, I would say. He hasn't.
1: Yeah, he hasn't been as good as. Has yeah, good. He's had his past, moments. He, he's been yeah. trying to
0: dunk on everybody to start of the season. So I mean, NBA still just getting started, just rounding into shape. I mean, starting just a couple of weeks ago. So it's just good to see Steph Curry being back to the Steph Curry that we've come to know and love. I agree. Since he took the NBA by storm back a couple years ago. So we're gonna wrap up. We have we're gonna talk about a couple of Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees. We both picked one out, and then we're gonna finish up with our top of the hill take for the week. So wrapping up the show, uh, like I said, Walter Payton Man of the Year, shout out. So, I mean, if you watch the NFL, you know you've heard of the Walter Payton Man of the Year before. It's a guy that has done a lot in his community, and each team picks one guy. So we took a look at the list and kind of just tried to pick out some guys that we wanted to highlight. The guy that I picked was Travis Kelsey for the Kansas City Chiefs. And aside from his Walter Payton Man of the Year stuff, I think that, it makes it even that much better because he had such a great year. He had the best year by a tight end in the NFL this year, one of the top tight end seasons of all time. And he's also been able to do all this in the community. He works with a a program, it's called Operation Breakthrough. And it described it on its website as looking to help the poorest of the poor in Kansas City. It works a lot with people that have, it said about 80% of the people in their program um, live on like less than $12,000 a year or something like that. And it also works to help children who've been exposed to trauma or violence like at a young age. So I just, I think that's a really big thing to not only be a great NFL player, but to also be a stand-up guy in the community on top of that. And so that's, that's who I wanted to shout out this week. And that's my Walter Payton man of the year shout out.
1: Who was yours? Yeah. So mine was Russell Wilson. Um, Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, they took a huge part in helping people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. And they pledged one million meals to feeding hunger, which was, or to the largest hunger relief organization in the United States. And I think that's huge because a lot of people, especially with losing their jobs, were just suffering throughout COVID-19. And Russell Wilson, every every year since he's been in the league, he's also very known for visiting children hospitals in his free time. So I just think that's something that he gets some credit for it or recognition, but I think it's not recognized nearly enough, and he's in there, I feel like, almost every weekend with, you know, kids who have really nothing, they're just in a hospital bed all day for their whole lives, so it's like, to put that smile on a kid's face when they don't get to see many people, and you have Russell Wilson walking through the doors, I think that's a you know, great yeah, no, thing I he think, does. So.
0: I think that's a great, a great point because we talked about it. Russell Wilson has been a great quarterback in the NFL yeah. since he came in. I think you can make the argument he's one of the top three best, like stand-up people in the yeah, NFL too. 100%. Just from and obviously he's able to use his platform. He's able to use Sierra's platform as well. Mm-hmm. I just a lot of good in this guy, and you like to see good guys prosper, and that's maybe why I want the best for Russell Wilson because you yeah. know. He's a great competitor. He's a great NFL player. Maybe a better person. Yeah, 100%. And so, like, we just wanted to take the time to shout out those guys. Obviously, all the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominees do a lot for their respective communities. The the winner hasn't been picked yet. It it probably won't be picked up until around, like, Super Bowl week. But, yeah, so we want to shout them out. So we're about to wrap up the show. We got to do our top of the hill takes of the week. So my top of the hill take of the week, and I don't know – I don't know what – how this one will go I just think I was sitting here trying to think of one James Wiseman is going to have a better career than LaMelo Ball. Wiseman of course going to the Warriors a pretty good franchise at this point in the NBA pairing up with Steph Curry I think he's been a great stretch five he's been able to get up and down and use his youth and use his energy to get up and down the floor and do the things that the Warriors want to do. He went second LaMelo went third to the Hornets who are in a completely different direction than the Warriors This isn't to even say that LaMelo will have a bad career because he's a rookie and no one knows what he's going to do yet, but he had probably the most hype around him coming in as any guy in the last three years, I would say, probably. And I think Wiseman, only playing the three games at Memphis kind of came in more quietly than LaMelo Ball did. I think he'll end up having a better career when things are all said and done. That was my top of the hill take. What's your top of the hill take this week?
1: Yeah, I like yours a lot, but mine is – kind of hot. So I think that the 8-8 eight eight Chicago Bears are going to actually beat the 12-4 New Orleans Saints. So that's pretty hot, especially with how good the Saints are. But the last couple of years, the Saints have not had the best luck in the postseason. And I just think that with Mitchell Trubisky playing really good right now, I think they have a chance, especially with their game in the regular season
0: where won won the overtime and the saints being by field goal so that's my top of the hill yeah great. and i mean we talked about that earlier in the show when we were talking about the the playoff matchups obviously but you really think that like i, I don't do. know and, i do and I, hey they made it in they now they have a chance they just got to play the team in front of them exactly it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world we've seen crazier things happen we have. I don't think you're going to find many out there that think the bears are going to win this game. So I agree. That's a little bit of a hot take, but perfect for the top of the hill take of the week. So yeah, that's our show this week. It might've been a little bit long. We missed last week. We wanted to get back into it and all the NFL. Uh, So yeah, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. Peace.